Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. Grab a seat. Good morning, Hill City Church. It was in 2006, a long time ago. I took a trip to New York City. I'm not the New York City type. It was a bro trip. A group of us went, uh, six of us went on a trip up to uh, New York, and something happened on that trip that I would never, ever have guessed would be true of me. So I didn't plan anything on the trip. Those of you who know me are like, no kidding, you haven't planned a thing in your life. But I will go on trips if, if people plan them. Um, one of the things that was planned on this trip was a Broadway show, okay? Not my thing. I'd never even been to a musical at my high school before, uh, knew nothing about it. We were told we were uh, going to see this show on Broadway called Wicked. I had no clue what it was. I hadn't even seen The Wizard of Oz before in my life, okay? So I had to do some research before I went to this, uh, this musical, um, here, here, and so, so we're in New York, and we go to where the show is going to be, and we show up, the six of us, and there are only four tickets. And I'm like, hey, I'll take one for the team. I'm just going to back away from this, and you all can do your musical stuff. Um, and what was going on at the same time, actually, was the Cardinals were playing the Mets in the National League Championship Series. So I'm like, I'll just go find a spot and watch this game. You guys sing. 
do your singing thingy, okay? Um, so me and another buddy are walking out, and these two people were so frantic, and they're like, hey, you guys want these tickets? And we're like, no, we're going to watch a baseball game. We don't have the money. We're not going to pay for them. And they're like, no, they're yours for free. We had an emergency. We don't want these to go to waste. And they give us two tickets to this Broadway show, Wicked, on the third row. So here we are, we're sitting on the third row, and I'm telling you, like, like I saw the spit coming out of the mouths of, of the singers, and, and then I was so close, like the extras, right, the flying monkeys, they would sing the choruses, and I, would, I heard their voices specifically, and I'm like, holy cow, how did that person not get the lead in this play? Like, everyone was magnificent. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I thought it was going to be boring, and it was beautiful. Wicked on Broadway. Highly recommend it. Well, something very similar happened again. So I'm digging in. To Genesis chapter 15. And I'm like, oh gosh, covenant? How do we? <laughs> like, yeah, on the edge of our seats here today. <laughs> talking about a covenant. And I think this is one of the most beautiful chapters in all of the Bible now. We're going through the book of Genesis. If you're here, that's what we do at Hill Cities. We go through books of the Bible. We are in Genesis chapter 15. I would say this is arguably one of the most important chapters in all of your Bible. We just read it together and included in this chapter is what I would say is arguably one of the most important verses in all of the Bible. This is pretty serious. So let's bow our heads and let's go to God and Lord, we hope that your spirit would move in this place. We're asking that you would open our eyes, that we could see incredible things from your word. May we see the beauty of Genesis chapter 15. Today we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So it has been roughly 10 years since Genesis chapter 12. Where God comes and calls Abram and gives him some promises. It has been 10 years. And what we read here in Genesis chapter 15 is something that is being experienced today in this room. And if it's not being experienced by you, many of you have experienced it. Some of you are in the middle of it. Some of you have experienced it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this. Doubt. Some of you are doubting right now. You're in a doubting season of your life. Just think about it. Have you ever had any doubts about God? You ever had any doubts about his faithfulness, what he said? You ever doubted his promises? Well, if you have, I just want you to know this morning that you are in good company. See, Abram had some doubts here in Genesis chapter 15. And what we're going to see is he had some doubts about God. And then he also had some doubts about himself. Look at verse 1 through 3. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now, what things? After what things? So Abram had a nephew, Lot, lots of disaster. We'll talk about him in a couple weeks, but, but we skipped a couple chapters. Here, here's what happened. Lot got in trouble. Abram had to go rescue Lot. And he had to do it with a military conquest. So he's worried. Abram's worried like, oh, no, I just, I just fought these, these people groups and these kings are going to come and they're going to kill me. And he's scared. What's going to happen? Oh, my goodness, God said he promised me things that hasn't happened. And he's frantic. And here comes God saying, fear not, Abram. 
Fear not. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. The word of the Lord comes to Abram, but Abram has some doubts about God. Look at verse 2 and 3. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And verse 3 says, And Abram said, Behold, you, he's talking to God, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Abram is doubting God, God, you, God, you. And how does God respond? Now listen, we have to understand, Abram is not being sinful. Abram is not angry right here. Abram is not turning his back on God. He's just doubting, and he goes exactly where he should go with his doubts to God, and he's crying out to God. And what does God not do, Hill City? God doesn't shame Abram for his doubts. And he lovingly doesn't let him stay in his doubts. Hey, Hill City, let's be like God when people have doubts. We don't need to shame people because they have questions. But let's lovingly help them. So what does God do? Verse 4 and 5. He assures them. Look, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And then verse 5, what do he do? He takes Abram outside. He says, look into the sky. Look at all those stars. Why don't you try to count them? You can't count them, but you can try to count them. And I just want you to know, all your descendants are going to be just like that. But what is it that God is really doing here? He goes to Abram and he reiterates the promises that he has already made to Abram. He told him what he had already told him a couple of times. He gave him the exact information that Abram already knew. Listen, Abram, I'm going to give you this land. Abram, listen to me. I'm going to give you descendants. But listen, God isn't yelling at Abram. He's not mad. He just gently reminds Abram. He gently encourages him of his promises. He doesn't offer him new information. It's just encouragement. He'll say, listen, can we see here an awesome, awesome father? Listen, we've, those of us have kids, like, we try to help them tie their shoe. Right? We try to help them ride a bike. And it's like... Okay, you take the loop-de-doo and you come around, the rabbit goes in the hole and you pull. And then they don't get it. And when they come and their shoes are untied, it's like, hey, idiot, don't, I've taught you how to tie your shoe. No. Listen, come here, come here, daddy show you. Look at loop-de-doo, come around, rabbit in the hole, pull the. Like that's what fathers do. Can, can we see how awesome our father is? You see how he treats Abram? Let's be like him. Listen, God just reminds him of his promises. Now let's get more practical. Sometimes, I think this is happening 
maybe here. Sometimes we think it's cliche, trite, to just offer scripture to people in times of discouragement of God's promises. Like we roll our eyes at it. And see, what happens is our hearts can become hard. Well, that's exactly what happened to Israel, and we don't want our hearts to become hard. Hill City Church, it is completely appropriate that at times you might come to a brother or sister in Christ, and you might just put your arm and remind them, hey, remember our king said he would never leave you or forsake you. It is completely appropriate to come alongside a brother and sister at times and say, listen, remember, Jesus said this. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Jesus said that. Don't don't forget that promise. It is completely appropriate to remind people that those who hope in the Lord, like we want to put our hope in the Lord, like like that our strength would be renewed and and we will soar on wings like eagles and we're going to run and we're not going to grow weary and we're going to walk and we're not faint. It's completely appropriate. It's completely appropriate to look at people that are in a tough season and remind them, listen, I know this stinks. I know you've been through it, but there's coming a day. There is coming a day when he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Where death will be no more. Where there's not going to be any more mourning, there's going to be no crying, there's going to be no pain anymore. And that hasn't happened yet, but God promised that's going to happen. I just want to remind you, it is completely appropriate to just remind each other of things that God has already promised. That's what God does here. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you bow your heads. And we're going to pray. We're going to ask God that he would do a work in our hearts this morning. God, do it in this place. And if you just need to repeat this, do it. But I want you to pray, do a work in my heart, God, that I would believe your promises. God, do a work in my heart that I would trust you. Soften my heart to the things that you've promised, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So God comes when Abram is doubting God. And God tells him his promises again. And here now we come to what is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. And he, Abram, believed the Lord. And he, that's God, counted it. To him, Abram, as righteousness. And he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. Hill City Church, our salvation hangs on that verse. Here, Genesis chapter 15, we see justification by faith declared For the very first time, it says, and he believed the Lord. So let's stop right here. I love you enough. We have to share this. Listen, there is an intellectual belief that does not save. You you can, okay, yeah. And then there is a heart belief 
that does save. And when I say save, what I mean, what I mean by save is, is justifies. See, and he believed the Lord. And then it says this, and, and God counted it to him as righteousness. It could be said this way, and God credited it to him as righteousness. It could be said this way, and God gifted it to him as righteousness. I don't, I, I don't know if this is hitting. Listen to me. This is the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. Listen. Abram believed God. And now God credited to him as righteousness. Which means now God looked at Abraham and he says, he is right. He is absolutely right with me. He is good to go. This is huge. Listen, and you think, okay, got it, Brad, but you would think, you said this one of the most important verses in all the Bible. Yes. Well, you would think if it was that important, like, like, man, you would think that it would be in the New Testament somewhere. Like, you would think if that verse is that important that the New Testament writers, when they were trying to explain the gospel, like, why wouldn't they put Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 in the New Testament? And, and I would say to you, yeah, that's a great question because they did. And they didn't do it one time, and they didn't do it two times, but they did it three times. Three times in the New Testament, we see 15.6. What does the New Testament say about Genesis 15.6? Let's look. Paul writes about it in Romans. It says, what then shall we say is gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he was not. He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And you think, well, what did he believe? Well, you got to read on in Romans chapter 4, and it's simply this. He believed the promise of God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, you pair that with Galatians. In Galatians we see this. It says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. That's us, right? We sang the song, Father Abraham, how many sons, how many sons had Father Abraham. And all the VBS kids know that, right? Okay, no, okay. Those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Here's what happened. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And you read more in Galatians. But listen, so, so Romans says he believed the promise that was counted to him as righteousness. Galatians says, what was, what was the promise? The promise was the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Abraham heard the gospel and he believed it. Because how would all the nations be blessed ultimately? We know the answer. How would it? It would be in Jesus. Abraham hears this in seed form. He believes it. It was counted to him as righteousness. This is huge. Abram believed and he was counted as righteous and great. All is well. Doubts are gone. Let's sing and birds will chirp and we're good to go. No. 
verse 7. And he said to him, this is the Lord, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Verse 8. But he said, Abram, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? This dude was just declared righteous. Bill City, can I offer you some relief this morning? Um, saving faith is not perfect faith. He still had some doubts. He first doubts God, now he doubts himself. How am I to know that I will possess it? See, here's what I know about the room, and this is the reality. Some people, they struggle to follow Jesus they don't want to follow Jesus because in their mind, they're like, well, I'll screw it up. And, 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 and as soon as I know that I won't screw it up, then I'll follow Jesus. And you have these doubts, and I just want to give you some relief. There's no such thing as not screwing it up. Abram has some doubts. And what does God do? Flip tables? Ah, I just told you. Of course not. This is where the passage could seem to get weird, right? God's like, listen, bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And, and Abram does exactly what God tells him to do. And, and, but then he goes on and he does something that God didn't tell him to do where it says he cut them in half and he laid each over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down to the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now this seems Weird. He gets these animals. He cuts each of them in half. And actually the way he would have laid it out is there would have been half and half. And then in the middle of the animals there would have been sort of a walkway. And what would have happened in that walkway is the blood would have flown or yeah, yeah, kind of been just covered that walkway to, to, to make like a little sort of mini river of blood. And this seems odd to us. This was not odd to Abram and it was not odd to God. So, Brad, what are you talking about? This was a common practice in the ancient Near East. It was a familiar practice that people would do to guarantee something. There were no lawyers. There were no contracts written in 1900 B.C. So what they would do is they would act out an oath. They would, it was actually more worded like this. They would cut a covenant. So, listen, it is nearly guaranteed that Abram would have seen something like this many times before in this culture. So he knew exactly what God was telling him to do. He goes and he gets the animals ready and he waits for God long enough, like, okay, birds of prey are coming and he's, he's waving, them, waving them off. And see, what would happen in this oath, each party, you would have these animals that were cut and you have this little pathway of blood and, and, and each party would walk in and out of the animals through these, this pathway of blood to act out this oath. And what each party was saying was, if I don't hold up my end of this oath, let this be true of me. 
let this be what happens to me. And they would squish. And blood would splash up on the cloak. So it's ready. This acting out of an oath is now ready and Abram waits for God. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. One version of the Bible says a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Take this horror of great darkness. I want you to hold it, fold it, put it in your back pocket. It's going to come up again. This horror of great darkness. And then what does God do? He actually just speaks the future. Here's what's going to happen in the future. He prophesies to Abram about what's going to happen. He gives the future of Israel. Here's what's going to happen. Your offspring are going to be sojourners in a land, and they're going to be servants there, and it's going to happen for 400 years, and then I'm going to deliver them. And he just gives the history. Now, the original audience, you have to remember who the original audience was. The children of Israel who had just been delivered from Egypt where they were for 400 years, they're getting ready to go in and possess the land, and faithful Moses would have been reading this to them, and the audience would have went, that was us. That happened. And they would have concluded, oh, our God is so right all the time. And he's so faithful. Because he told Abram what was going to happen. And it did When the sun had gone down and it was dark, verse 17, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring I give this land, and from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates. So the pieces are laid out. And you have this fire and this smoke show up on the scene. Keep in mind again the original audience. This is the same fire and smoke that would have been on Mount Sinai when Moses is going to get the law. This would have been the same fire and smoke. If you remember how they were being guided through the wilderness where it was fire by night and then a pillar of smoke by day, what we're talking about here in Genesis chapter 15, it is, it is the same thing. It is the presence of God. Yahweh has just walked on the scene. The one and true and holy God shows up in all of his glory. Now here's what's crazy. In these days when they would cut a covenant, it was common that the king would cut a covenant with, with a subject or, or a lesser than. And, and he would make this oath with somebody lesser than him. But what would happen is that the servant would have to be the one that would walk through the blood and walk through the pieces. Because it was just assumed that the king would hold up his end of the oath. That was common. Oftentimes it was both parties, but when it wasn't both parties, it was the servant. 
and the king did not walk through the cut. Now this covenant is an odd covenant. Smoke and fire, this is God shows up. And it's the king, it's the one with all the authority, it's the one that has all the power. He walks through. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant. Yeah, but now it's Abram's turn. Now, what, did they, they forget to write in here? Abram's got to walk. How is it that the king, the one with the authority, this, this is odd. Well, what is this? What are we seeing here? Hill City, we can't miss this. See, this is our God. And this is our king. And he is like no other. He walks through. And what is he saying? What is it that God was proclaiming as he walked through the cut pieces? It was God saying, if I fail to keep my side of the bargain, if I fail this covenant, I will pay in my own blood. But he went alone. So here's what he is also saying. Abram, and if you fail, you're part of this covenant. I will pay with my own blood. Do we see the beauty of Genesis Chapter 15, God walked through the blood. And here in Genesis chapter 15, it is where God pronounces the death sentence on his only son, Jesus. Because Abraham failed his end of the covenant. Isaac failed his end of the covenant. Jacob failed his end of the covenant. Moses failed his end of the covenant. David failed his end of the covenant. Solomon failed his end of the covenant. I failed my end of the covenant. And you failed your end of the covenant. And for our sake, whose sake? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Solomon, me, you. For our sake, he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That something could be counted to us as righteousness. See, there was another day where there was a horror of great darkness that came. So get to your back pocket. There it is. There was a horror 
of great darkness at Calvary. And this is my reality. And this is your reality. This is a life stained with sin and shame and darkness. I remember that one, junior year of high school. I was alone. I mean, I remember, I remember this, 18 to 21. Barely knew my name half the time. Oh, if, if, like if that wasn't, if you're like, that's not my story. Like I didn't, Brad, I mean, you, you might need to know that self-righteousness and pride look exactly just like this. This is our reality. Listen to me. And some of you, and I lovingly want to tell you this, you don't think coming to Jesus is, like, like you don't come to them weary because you're weary and heavy laden, and you don't believe that his load is light because what you're actually doing is you're, you're trying to wash this and clean this up and try to make it look like that. He made him to be this who didn't know this. On the cross, so that we could be this. Theologians call this the great exchange. It's too good to be true. That Jesus became my sin and he became my shame. He became every bit of darkness on the cross. And when we believe that promise, his righteousness, his perfect holy righteousness is credited to us. It's gifted to us. This is the greatest news that you are ever going to hear in your life. If we just believe God the way that Abraham did, we get this gift. It's called imputed righteousness. We are, the Bible says when we believe Jesus that we are now clothed in the righteousness of the king. And that means this, when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus and he says, Brad is right with me. You are right with me. Because when God sees it, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And it just keeps getting better. Listen to me. Please hear this. You can't earn this. So you don't put enough good in your good bucket to try to outweigh your bad and get this. You don't try to clean that up to make it look like this. God became that and then gave you this. And it keeps getting better. The good news doesn't stop. It's like wave on wave of good news. If you believe the promise of God, and God has now gifted you his righteousness, this is huge. The only way that this ever becomes untrue of you, the only possible way that this could ever become untrue of you, 
as if a perfect, righteous, and holy King Jesus sinned. That's forever. If you're serving communion, would you head back and prepare the table? There are a few of you in the room, just a few of you. I know this because the room's huge, but there's a, there are a few of you in the room. And you've actually never believed the promise. You've never trusted the promise of God and his son, Jesus Christ. And maybe it's that you believe that your righteousness is earned. Like you've just spent so much time trying to clean this up. And if I could just get this cleaned up, then I will come to God. And I just want to tell you that can't happen. And maybe you think that you can earn that and you can't. And some of you, there are possibly some of you, and you're, you're actually... You, you actually just think that you are pretty righteous already and that, like, nah, this doesn't really fit me. And I just want you to know, if you fit in either one of those categories, I know for a fact this is true of you. You're tired. It's tired. <laughs> There's no rest in that. And that today, that you can just come with empty hands of faith and believe the promise and listen to me, do you know this? I can't convince you that this is true. And if I could convince you that it was true, you're going to go to work tomorrow morning and someone will convince you that it's not. I can't convince you. Here's what I can do. I can just over and over and over just keep giving you the greatest news you could ever hear in your life. And eventually, and listen, we've been praying that this happens, and God's been doing it a lot. What happens is the Holy Spirit convinces you. And when the Holy Spirit convinces you that this is true, you ride with him forever. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just trying to give you the greatest news that you're ever here in your life. And that's for a few of you and all the rest of you. Most people in this room, you're here, and you come on Sundays, you've already been credited this righteousness, this, is, this gift of righteousness covers you. But if you're like me, like I'm so prone to just wander from this truth. It is my duty, it is the elder's duty of this church to just remind us of this truth over and over and over and over again. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And you've been in here now for 39 minutes listening to me talking. It's like, but Brad, how can I know? And I want you to just hear the kind voice of God. When in his word he says this, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread you stand with me while I'm reading this? And when he had given it, thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You know why we do this every week? Because we are going to be reminded when God 
walked through the pieces and pronounced the death sentence on his son Jesus because of our covenant failures. And now we come with empty hands of faith. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the beauty of Genesis chapter 15. Now we're asking your spirit to go to work in the room with the truth from your word and and capture hearts and soften hearts and, and do your work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.